Welcome, welcome. This is Cassandra Austin McDonald with the Grow Through It podcast, where I share my personal life experiences and the stories of others who have grown through life's ups and downs and came out on the other side. Listen in as you may become inspired to evolve into the best version of yourself. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Growth Through It podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Austin McDonald, and today I'm going to be sharing a special guest with you all, Miss Alicia Barlow. Welcome, Alicia. Hello, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So a little bit of background about Alicia. She is a survivor of childhood molestation by her grandfather. As a result of Alicia coming forward to her family about her story, she started the Tell Somebody movement. Alicia is the author of her memoir, End Silenced Abuse, Tell Somebody, and the children's book, Tell Somebody, The Basics, Volume 1. Oprah Winfrey describes her as, quote, the perfect role model for turning pain into power, end quote. Alicia and her family were also featured on the popular Ian LaVanzette's Fix My Life show on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Alicia goes to different schools to educate children about their bodies with her children's book. She also encourages them to speak up if they are being touched inappropriately. She also gives strength to other survivors by posting a different survivor story of abuse on her social media platforms every day. It is Alicia's goal and mission to try and end child abuse. So I am, I am so thrilled to have you here and to share your incredible story and this amazing movement that you have started. And it just seems like it's just growing and growing and growing. Um, and you guys, just to give you a bit of a background, Alicia and I connected, I believe it was around 2008 when uh, you reached out to me about sharing my story on your platform, my Tell Somebody story. And it was from there where I kind of, you know, got to know you more through your social media and being able to learn more about the Tell Somebody movement. So again, I'm, I'm really thrilled to have you here and super excited to have you share your growth through a story with the listeners. Thank you. Thank you for helping me bring awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, what really resonates with your story is the similarities with mine as well with this 20-year-old secret. I, I think that would be a great starting point here with just sharing what did that look like for you to finally say, you know what, I am done holding this in, I'm letting it out, and what precipitated that release for you? What caused you to say, I can't hold this in anymore? Um, yes, you know, I had kept the secret that my grandfather molested me for over 20 years and I grew up just feeling ugly and like I didn't belong. I didn't know my worth. I thought I was the only one who had went through it and I had always wanted to tell my dad, but I just never had the courage because my mom told me to keep it a secret and that if my dad found out that my dad would kill somebody and then he would go to jail. So she had scared me mm. from a really young age into not ever speaking speaking to my father and me and my dad were actually really close growing up and even though 
um, I wasn't able to tell him my secret. <clears throat> he used to always let me know that he was there for me no matter what and that he'd always, you know, protect me from anything. So that was the hardest part was still just keeping the secret from him. And um, really, it's it's all God. Um, I yeah, always wanted to yeah. tell my dad. I always wanted to tell my dad. Um, in high school, I wanted to tell him. And in college, I wanted to tell him, but I didn't. And then one day I just thought to myself that I want to bring awareness to the subject. Like I mm -hmm. want to use my story to help others. I want to give kids what I didn't have when I was younger. And that was the education because my mother never taught me about my body. Mm -hmm. And so when my grandfather used to touch me, I used to believe that it was okay. Mm -hmm. But I knew that in order to educate the world and save others, I had to tell my dad what happened to me because he would find out eventually. And so every day, actually, for a week straight, um, I told my cousin, I really want to tell my dad that I've been molested, but I don't know how. And mm -hmm. like every day, like literally every day for seven days straight, I kept telling my cousin that, that I could feel it in my heart and my soul and my chest that like I just needed to tell, but I didn't know how. And on the seventh day, day I was actually at my dad's house and I was in the kitchen with him and he said Alicia your younger brother called me today and told me that your grandfather molested him as a mm. child and he said did anything ever happen to you wow and when he said that like I immediately just broke down and started crying but like mm -hmm. it wasn't me it wasn't me crying it was like a whole nother thing that a spirit that just like took over my body and yeah. it was just like screaming to me and saying okay this is your chance you know yeah. you've been asking yeah. every day for the last seven days how to tell your dad and here now your dad's asking you so what are you gonna do and so that's the first time I told him and it was just yeah like I said an immediate weight just lifted off my shoulders something that I had been searching um because I had been abused ever since I was I can remember so right. in elementary school middle school um high school like I said college I never felt like I was myself I was always searching and looking for a way to feel good to know my worth to feel mm. freedom to know value and no matter what I did um and we could talk about that also how a lot of survivors of abuse um either turn to sex drugs yes. or alcohol yes. to try to numb the pain yes. no matter what yes no matter what I did, no matter what outlet I tried to use to, to get that up off of me, it wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I, when I told my dad that I finally felt that. And I want all survivors to feel the same weight lifted off their shoulders that I felt. It, I know exactly what experience you're, you're describing there. Um, it's probably one of the most liberating because, you know, the weight of holding that deep dark secret inside can really weigh on you you know and it does uh -huh. impact your decisions and it affects the way that you operate in your life and it sounds like you had one of those what I like to call like a divine moment where what you were seeking came to you you didn't even have to muster up the courage like some people do to say something it's like your dad created that safe space for you how was that for you with him doing that did that kind of help you to feel a little bit more off the hook if you will like man I don't have to come to him I actually like this moment was created for me 
Yeah, that's exactly how I felt when he spoke about my brother and the tears came down from my face. I just felt like this is your time, like this is your moment. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I want to always, and I always thank my younger brother. He's four years younger than me because if it wasn't for him having his bravery and coming and speaking out to my father, then it might still be a secret. I might still be praying every day and asking God, like, how do I tell my dad? So I had to always, you know, let my brother know how courageous he is. Yeah. And he's he's four years younger than me. So not yeah. only did I not only did I keep that secret for 20 years, he kept that secret for 20 years also. You mm -hmm. know? And so mm -hmm. that's what I'm finding out. That's what I'm finding out um through the stories that I share on my social media and everyone coming forward and telling me it's people that are holding it in for yes, 20, 30, 40, yes. 50 years. There's people that write me that tell me they're 60, 70 years old and they still haven't told. And it's like, wow. well, what are you wait? What are you waiting for? You know, right. you, have nothing, you have nothing to lose. Like it's time. It's time to tell somebody. And that's why when I first started, that's why my Facebook page is it's time to tell somebody. It's not time to do it next week, not next year. It's time to do it now. And it's time to do it today so that you could feel that freedom and that healing and live the rest of your life feeling that. Yes, yes. I love the title of your move, movement, Tell Somebody. I, I feel like it's so simple yet so profound because it's, it's the secrets that keep us sick and that causes people to suffer in silence. And just by yeah. opening up your mouth and saying something can free you and, and set you free from something that for a lot of us, like you said, suffer in silence for decades. Yeah. You, it's now crazy. you have a daughter, don't you? Yes, I do. I have a 10 year old daughter. Now, did, by you having a daughter, did that kind of help you feel more motivated? Like, I have to do this for her. Yeah, definitely. Um, I knew before I was even pregnant, I knew way back when I was being abused and molested myself that one day, whenever I had kids, however many kids I had, whether it was a boy or a girl, that I was going to educate them about their body, mm -hmm. let them know that nobody's supposed to touch them in their private areas. And if they do, they need to tell them to stop and mm -hmm. then come tell somebody. So yeah, the moment I had a kid, especially since it was a girl, I mean, I've been teaching her ever since, you know, she could talk, even before she could talk, you know, I've been talking to her and letting her know and just educating her. So that's actually a part of of how my movement also started was I recorded a video of me teaching her about her private areas, just pointing to them and letting them know that those were hers and no one's supposed to touch them. And I posted that on social media and I had such a strong feedback from parents that said, you know, that the video was so helpful and informational and that they didn't even know how to talk to their children about it. And so now they finally, you know, could see something and, and base it off of that really made yes. me feel good and it really brought awareness to me that hey it's not just my family that didn't teach me about my body I guess there's a lot of families yeah. out there that are just not teaching their kids for a whole bunch of different reasons but mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. my my tell somebody movement is basically that to give strength to adult survivors to speak up so that you can heal but it is mainly to bring awareness so that parents can talk to their children and educate them I love it. I love it. And, it. and it makes me think about generational curses, you know, uh -huh. because uh -huh. 
a lot of us who have experienced these types of violations, we discover that our older relatives also experienced that. Was that, was that something that you discovered on your journey where this was like a generational thing? You weren't the only one. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, on my mother's side, after I created the Tell Somebody movement, my mother and her two sisters both told me that they were not only all, including their cousins, molested by their grandfather, but they vaguely remember being abused by their own father, which is the same man who abused me. And when they were younger and they went to their parents and told their parents how their grandfather was touching them, they were told to keep it a secret and to not tell their grandmother because it would dishonor the family and it would embarrass them. And they were told to just, you know, stay away from their grandfather. But at the age of five and six and seven, you know, you don't know too much. And so right. their abuse, their abuse continued. So yes, it is a generational curse that they passed along to me and silenced me just like they were silent. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. My mother and her sisters were molested. Uh, my younger brother was molested by my grandfather, the same man who abused me. My older brother was molested by a female babysitter when he was younger. And my father was molested by his Catholic preacher when he was younger. Wow. So everybody in my immediate family has been abused or molested. And so I know that if my family is like that, I know that other families are like that. And fortunately, when I came out with the Tell Somebody movement, that's actually what opened my eyes. Because when I was younger, I had a survivor's book that said the average child molester is a middle-aged white man who's married with kids and college educated. That was my grandfather. Mm. So, growing, so growing up, I thought that only white men molested. So I'd go wow. to the park with my daughter. I'd go to the grocery store with my daughter. And I'd always look at white men and their children, looking at the way they're holding their children's hands, looking at the way they're putting their arms around their kid does mm -hmm. their kid look does their kid look uncomfortable and I always thought it was just the white man and especially with me being half black mm -hmm. I used to always think not my black people like black people are not doing sick things like that and it wasn't yeah. until I started tell somebody where I shared my story of abuse on my platform that I woke up the next day with over 50,000 shares and you know 400,000 views and you know 100,000 comments and messages from just all these people of different races that mm -hmm. just said you know it happened to me too we have a wow. similar story wow. and I was just like wow so it's happening everywhere in every race and every yes, culture and yes. every religion. So every child needs to be educated about this. And so it was just a real eye opener for me. Wow. That, that goes to show the impact of using your voice, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because your video went viral and yeah. that's really what kind of like catapulted your movement, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it did. It did. It did. How After, did that make you feel like to show you the power of your voice? Um, to be honest, I was scared. After I told my father what happened, he actually told me, you need to go on Facebook, you need to go on social media and you need to let the world know, you know, what your family did to you. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I said, I can't do that. 
He said, yeah, you need to show pictures. You need to put their names, everything. I said, I can't do that. I can't put my family under the bus like that. Yeah. And he said, he said, Alicia, he said, those are not your family members. He said, family would not turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to you when you need help. Yeah. And when he when he said that, ooh, that just that stuck to Man, me. I was the, like, that, oh that my does. god, it, may, it gives you a feeling. <laughs> it gives you a feeling. I said, man, maybe they aren't my family. You know, even though I called them mom, like yeah, they did turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to me. And yes, mm-hmm. I have a daughter, and I couldn't even imagine her telling me that someone is abusing her. Me telling her to keep it a secret, and then still allowing her to go around this person for years and years and years, and not even ever ask her again is anything continuing like I just couldn't imagine that at all so I went on social media I made this 10 minute video telling my story and as soon as I posted it I logged off like I didn't even want to see people's reactions or comments I was literally scared to my stomach like this was a secret I was holding for 20 something years and it wasn't until the next morning that I logged back on that I looked and saw everything all the messages all the comments all the likes and I was like wow like did this really just happen so um a girl that I went to school with actually reached out to me after Mm -hmm. and she told me that uh, her uncle had molested her as a child and she said she said she didn't want to tell her mom because her mom had brain aneurysms Mm -hmm. so she got if she got stressed out she would die and she didn't she didn't want to tell her dad because her dad was dying of cancer and only had six months left Mm-hmm. so I told her okay don't tell you know and after that my dad came home from work and he asked me how the video went and I mm-hmm. told him I said it went viral like there's so many people that it happened to and I told him the story about the girl from my school and how I told her don't tell her parents and he told me Alicia you gave her the wrong advice he said you have a daughter if she were being mm. abused, would you want to know? And I was like, excuse my French, but I was like, hell yeah, I would want yeah. to know. <laughs> I, just, I would need to know. If my daughter was being abused right now, I couldn't imagine not knowing. And he, right. said exa- he said exactly. And he said, as a parent, he said, even on my deathbed, if I was dying right now and had one minute to live, I would want to know what happened to my children. And I, they, it's, that stung me again, too. I was like, wow, that's really deep. Like, yes, even on my deathbed, I would want to know what happened to my children. So now he told me, he told me, write her back and tell her she needs to tell somebody. And that's actually how the slogan, tell somebody, came about. Wow. So after after wow. that, after that, I made a shirt my dad my daughter and myself that said tell somebody and I had no intention of you know um selling it I didn't even have my books yet like this was literally like a day or two after I just shared my story on Facebook I just Mm -hmm. really really like the slogan tell somebody just those two two words are so powerful oh yes absolutely And, and so I got our shirts made and I took a picture and I posted on social media and again like the next day I had you know the same thing like 50,000 shares hundred thousand likes like and everyone was just like well where can we get these shirts where can we get these shirts and I'm like you guys want these you know so then I just started my website tellsomebodytoday.com where I sell the shirts and then from there I was like this is something that I really really want to do it's like a passion of mine especially with all the people that were reaching out to me and knowing that I could just help them with my story and I said I have to do more than just 
have a website selling shirts. So after that, uh, someone reached out to me about a children's book and I mm -hmm. said, oh, I have to do this. So yeah, my children's book is like my prized possession. Like I love it so much. Like it on the first page, it just shows the children where their private areas are, which is their mouth. Cause some parents don't tell their children, but their mouth is a private area. Yeah, their absolutely. Their chest. Mm -hmm. And then their front area where they go to the bathroom and then, you know, their back, their butt. And the next 10 pages of my book show children different scenarios that they could be in that they may not know is abuse. So, for example, when my grandfather started abusing me, he used to tickle me under my arms like we were playing the tickle game. But then mm -hmm. he, would move, he would move and eventually start tickling my private areas, but mm -hmm. make it seem like as if we were still playing this game. So in my book, you know, I let kids know if you're at a sleepover and someone tries to touch you, tell them no and go tell somebody. Um, my grandfather also used to bribe me. He used to give me $20 every time I would see him. And 20 wow. years ago, 20 years ago, $20 was a lot. Girl, yes. He used to give me $20 every time I seen him every Christmas, it was $100. And I had every Barbie and Nintendo game system that you could think of. And now that um, I'm older, I realize yes, he groomed. Me. He, yes. Yeah. I was and just a lot about of, to say that sounds like the grooming process. He groomed me and a lot of parents or a lot of people who haven't been molested don't know about the grooming stages and that's what my book is it shows kids if someone gives you a present and tells you you know don't tell your parents I'm giving this to you that's another form of abuse because my grandfather used to do the same thing and so I love my children's book I go to different schools um, I'm able to put my book now on a PowerPoint presentation and I'm able to go to a school and do an assembly and actually have 600 kids in the auditorium and be on the stage reading my book on a projector to all of them. That is so and powerful. I can't even tell you the feeling that I get just leaving a school right yeah. after I did a presentation, like just knowing that I really just educated 600 yeah. kids Growing up, when I was in school, we had the D.A.R.E. program. People right. would come to school and talk about, oh, don't do drugs. But nobody ever, ever came to school. No teachers, no counselors, nobody ever said in any class, math, English, science, history, nothing, look, these are your private areas. No one's supposed to touch yeah. you. If they are, that's wrong. That's abuse. Tell somebody. Like, or why people were even turning to drugs. You know, like, right. like you said, we were getting these D.A.R.E. programs saying don't use drugs but no one was even educating us why people were turning to drugs. Right, right, and right. Exactly. A lot of us who were going through abuse, if they would have heard that, that may have planted that seed of, I'm experiencing something wrong right now and I need to go get some help. Yeah. I just think yeah. what you're doing is so powerful because you are buying back time for these kids, time that a lot of us didn't have, you know? Yeah. A lot of us had to wait later in life to realize that something we experienced in our childhood was having a profound effect on us still decades uh -huh. later, whereas you're educating these kids now. And it's, I just think it's amazing how you are giving the gift of buying back their time for one, but also educating them on what this looks like. Cause like, like you said, that grooming phase, that could look like a family member giving a gift to someone and someone thinking nothing of it and having nothing. no idea that that family member is grooming that child. 
Right, right. Sitting on the lap. I have another one that says, you know, someone's always asked me to sit on their lap because my grandfather used to always ask me to sit on his lap, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, to other people, it's just like, oh, she's just sitting on his lap. But no, that's, that's a molester that's grooming your kid that's feeling on your kid, you know? Yeah. And it's inappropriate. It's very inappropriate. And I think, um, It's just every day I share a different survivor story on my platform. Every day, a different survivor, a brave survivor sends me a picture of them actually holding a sign that says, tell somebody just like you did. Yeah. And so people are, people are able to not only hear a story, but to see a face with it. And when you're able to, when you're able to see a face with it, you, it really resonates with you. You really Mm -hmm. know that you're, you're not alone, you know, that there's other people out here feeling the same way as you. And when you just hear these stories every day, every day, every day, it's like, we're all so different. You know, we all don't know each other. We're all from different parts of the world, but we've all been through the same thing. And all the store, all the stories are so similar. It's the mom's boyfriend that's touching, you know, it's the uncle, it's the cousin, it's always a family member. And then all these stories of telling my mom and her telling me to keep it a secret or telling my mom and her telling me that I'm lying. Like, no, a kid, a kid is not lying. A kid has no, reason at the age of six to come lie and tell and make something even, up they don't even have the imagination yet to to say something like that right, you know that someone's right. touching them in their private areas so just the amount of parents and other people out there that just don't listen to kids and don't want to deal with their own demons because yes a lot of times it is a generational curse mm-hmm. where someone who's been molested doesn't want to deal with their own demons so now they're just not even dealing with yours and it's just crazy because of the impact. I love reading people's stories every day because they always have an ending, you know? And yes. most, of the time, most of the time the ending is, you know, I feel good sharing my story and I'm stronger now. I have a movement, I have a book, I have a podcast. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, bring, I'm bringing awareness, you know? But yeah, there are those that say that they're not doing good and they have PTSD and they still suffer and they have nightmares. And, yeah. and it's like child molestation stays with you no matter how young you are, it stays with you for the rest of your life. You yeah. know, I'm 30 years old and yes, I still have triggers and I still have flashbacks and I yeah. still have memories. And so if we can really educate these children at a young age, then they won't even have to deal with what we went through and what's really scary is when you are into child abuse awareness and you start reading up on it and looking at statistics a good good percentage of people that are child molesters were molested themselves yeah and and that's and that's what made me bring up the generational curse aspect because I have found that also um I have a background with working in the criminal justice system for 12 years prior to what I'm doing now. And that was a common theme where there were violators who were violated. And it was like, at what point does the cycle break? Right. And that was a question I was always asking, like, when does the cycle break? And it's either they become violators or they become people like us who just suffer in silence and, internalize their pain and deal with it in other ways. What were some ways that you saw your pain playing out in your life before you had the courage to speak out? 
Um, again, you know, in ninth grade, especially ninth grade, when you're getting into high school, oh my gosh, transitioning from middle school to high school where you're around these seniors and, you know, this is the time period where you're finding yourself, where mm -hmm. your friends are also, you know, doing drugs and alcohol and there's peer pressure and people are losing their virginities and having sex. And it's all about the way you dress and who has the new clothes on and, you know, who's the cheerleaders and the football players. Yeah. It's all about like who's popular. And if you're not popular, then you're getting bullied. Mm. So it's like, growing up that's exactly how it was I was so unconfident in myself because I didn't know who I was because right. I had been living this lie my whole life that I just felt ugly mm. and I I'm five nine I'm very tall I'm taller than the average female and mm -hmm. I was over here getting bullied by girls five two you know I could yeah, easily I could have easily took them on you know I easily could have took them yeah, on but no yeah. because I was so unconfident in myself and I didn't know my worth and my value that's it like I felt ugly I felt like I didn't belong I was teased I was bullied um even sexual wise a lot of my friends were losing their virginities in the ninth grade. And here I was, I couldn't even kiss a boy. Yeah. And it's crazy. I didn't lose my virginity till I was 18. And then the moment I lost my virginity, because I still didn't know my worth, I gave myself to any and every boy that showed a little bit of interest in yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And I now realize my worth. And I'm just lucky that, you know, I didn't catch any diseases or anything back then. Ooh, honey, tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because w when my dad said that boys only want one thing, oh, he wasn't lying. They yeah. only want one thing. And growing yeah. up, growing up because I felt so ugly if a boy showed me a little interest I thought that the way to get him to like me was to have sex with him not mm. knowing that the moment you have sex with him now he's just worried about the next girl that he could have sex with like he has no emotional attachment to you at all but they say that survivors of abuse grow up feeling that sex is all they have to offer yeah I, and I, I can totally relate to that Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is crazy that you could go through high school not being able to kiss and not being able to have sex and really not correlate that that has something to do with your child abuse growing up. Like, mm -hmm. I never said to myself, okay, since I was abused, that's why I'm so shy now. Like, I, right. I didn't see that until I was older and I was right. an adult. But um, that that's really what it was. I just didn't know my worth. And mm -hmm. luckily, luckily, um, I didn't turn too much to drugs and alcohol. Um, but the, the worst thing is suicide. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't tell you the messages that I get and the stories that I share where people say that they tried to commit suicide two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. eight, nine times. And it's like, that's another reason why I really want to bring awareness is people are over here really committing suicide, suffering yeah. in this silence, in this pain, thinking that they're the only ones going through it. When I'm trying to show you every day that you're not the only one that's going through it. Mm -hmm. And not only that, you can get over it. You know, the memories are always still going to be there, but you can you can get over it. it's kind of like if you fall on your on your bike and you cut your leg like mm -hmm. yeah, you have a scar there 
but a couple years from now, that pain will be gone, you know? So the pain will be gone. You just got to take your power back. Yeah. And by taking your power back is doing what we are doing, is sharing your story, yes. is letting, letting family members in your family who don't know, letting them know. Because most child molesters, just like my grandfather, go on to not only abuse you, but other children. Yeah. Um, I looked, they said the average child molester who they interviewed in jail said that the, they molest anywhere from 50 to 250 kids oh before they die. Goodness. 50 wow. to 250 That's kids outrageous. Per, per child molester. And these are all family members just My because nobody's saying anything. Nobody wants to send their family member to jail. And me as a six-year-old, no, I don't want to send, you know, no one to jail. But as an adult, like, the adults know better, yes. you know, and if you're not going to send your family member to jail, at least keep your kids away from them. Yes, absolutely. Don't, don't trust that it's not going to happen. You know, when my grandfather molested me, he admitted to my mother and her sisters that he did it. Mm. He said that the, he said the reason why he did it was not only because his own wife hadn't had sex with him in oh 10 years. So he was just horny. He oh said my that goodness. He said the devil made him do it. Wow. So, so no accountability. No accountability. So my aunt, who's Christian, told him that she would give him a Bible. And as long as he promised to read it every day, she would keep his secret. Wow. Well, let me tell you, the abuse continued after that. And I didn't see a Bible, not a lick around nowhere. Okay. Oh my so, goodness. It's just so disheartening to hear that your your family had and a lot of our families have have been like that you know they have mm -hmm. the power to remove us from a situation that was harming us and they just decided to turn a blind eye to it correct correct correct, correct. and that's and that's just so sad to hear that despite the fact that they experienced their own violations instead of them wanting to save you from it they just kind of like projected that trauma on down and said, well, no one saved me, so I'm not saving you. That's how it right. sounds. That's, that's how it felt. And, you know, as I got older, after I told my dad what happened, he actually told me I needed to call my mom and my two aunts and confront them. He said, mm -hmm. you know, I, talk, I talked to them about it as a child when I was six and told them. But now as an adult, I needed to come back to them individually and ask them, why did you allow this to happen? Mm -hmm. You know, why, why did the outcome go the way the outcome did? And when I was talking to my aunt, she actually did have a comment like that. And she said, well, you know, the same thing happened to me. So, you know, get over it or deal oh with it. Oh, my goodness. And she hung up the phone. Wow. And I will say that we are rebuilding our relationship now. And we can, you know, get to that part in a second also. But a lot that I am hearing from people is the negativity from their family members that, oh, it happened to me, you know, get over it. Just That's deal kind with of how it. my mom came to, came to me about it was like, it happened to me get over it type and it's just like yeah but that's not an excuse and then you have women women like ourselves who are out here trying to raise awareness and it's like well how do you explain that when no one saved us right right exactly and that's just some some demons obviously that your mom still hasn't worked through mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and the same with my mom 
And it's just, it's just alarming just how many parents just don't do anything. And I just really want to just save children and bring awareness. And I have people that write me, there's kids that write me yesterday. I shared a story from a 10 year old girl. Wow. She's 10 and she she submitted her story to me. Not only was she abused by a family member, but now at the age of 10, her and her mother have an organization in Washington. They have a nonprofit called PASA and they uh, bring awareness to child abuse and child molestation. This is what this 10 year old girl is doing. That's amazing. And what, she, what she just did, she just had an event at her local community center library and she got my tell somebody children's book and she read it wow. to, to a whole bunch of children, you know, and she sent me pictures of it. And when I see things like that, like that literally like breaks me down. Like yeah. I, have to sh- I have to shed a tear. When like I you did there, that. I did that and now she's do- <laughs> now she's doing it yes. you know and so I used to, and I'm going to tell you this, I used to have sympathy for survivors. People used to write me and tell me, you know, they were 30, they were 40, they are 50. They still have, have the secret. They're not ready to tell. And then when they're ready, they'll let me know. And then I have these 10 year olds mm. and I used to have sympathy. And I used to tell people, well, take as long as you need, you know, just as long as you tell. But now it's like, no, you know, tell somebody. If a 10-year-old could come out here and use her experience to start an organization, and now she's out here educating people, there's no reason why you're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, still not ready to tell this secret. Yeah, it has to be exposed. I, and does. what you don't reveal can't be healed. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. That, and that brings me, I want to I shift gears here and talk about you being featured on the Fix My Life show. And I remember prior to this um, episode, you and I had a conversation and you said that you prayed, dear God, can you please help me fix my life? Can you share with us what was going on at that moment and then what led to you ultimately being featured on that show? Uh, Yes, definitely. You know, after I came out with my children's book, I came out with my memoir and every day I'm just trying to find something new that I can do to just bring awareness. And at the same time, there's some days I know even like you, where you feel like, even though I'm doing something, it just still doesn't feel like it's enough. Like I feel like I could be doing way more and on on a bigger level and helping more people. And so Besides that, even with my own personal life, yes, every day for a year straight, my exact prayers were, you know, just dear God, can you please help me fix my life? Not dear God, help my life better. Dear God, you know, help me get stuff together. It was just dear God, please help me fix my life. And after a year, my book writer, my book producer, publisher um, called me and said, they on the Fix My Life show wants to know if you'll be a guest on their show and if you could bring your family and you guys can start your healing process. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I was like, definitely, you know, and I got off the phone and I was like, wow, I was just thinking to myself, like I could help so many people. I could get this message out to so many people, but I know my family's not going to do it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I don't, for people who haven't seen the Ayanna Fix My Life show, you know, she gets in there. She gets yeah. to the, to the, the root, root of the problem. Yeah. And she don't she play has, around. She don't play around. She makes you take accountability and she mm-hmm. shows you examples and puts you through exercises. If you can't verbally hear her, she'll make you physically see what's going on. And so one of my aunts, I reached out to her. She said she'd be willing to do it because she had a couple Eon the Fix My Life 
healing books. And I was like, oh my gosh, great. So then I asked my mother and my mom was like, you know, I need some time to think about it. And she reached back out to me and was like, okay, I'll do it. And I was just so excited. And anything Ayana was going to tell me, I was just willing to listen because I knew that anything she had to tell me was basically what God wanted me to know, but mm-hmm. that he he couldn't verbally tell me. So yes, mm-hmm. when I first went on the Ayana Fix My Life show, I went on with my mom and my aunt. Um, my brother and my other aunt were asked to come on the show, but they declined. So it was just the three of us. But we got to sit there and all tell our versions inside of the stories. Mm-hmm. And when I when I first went on the show, my only priority, honestly, even though I told the producers that I wanted to heal with my family, at the time, I could care less. You know, at the time, I felt like they betrayed me for what they allowed to happen. And I just wanted to bring awareness and help others. But through the process of being on the show and really sitting down with my mom and really talking with her and really doing exercises with her and, you know, finding out about all the abuse that they endured, I really got to understand her. And she got to understand me and she apologized at the end and she said she wished she would have did things different Mm. and it was just a real eye-opener for all of us and before the show you know we talked maybe once a month and sometimes not even that because there was a period of time where she even blocked me on social media and changed her phone number and we didn't even speak at all how did that make you feel when your own mother did that um I mean, it was, it was like a slap in the face, but it was yeah. almost like, it was almost like a, well, shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, shit. It's okay. We keep it real here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I wish I would have known. I'd have been talking a long time ago. But no, 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 no. I just, I felt like, you know, she had, she had did me dirty a long time ago as a kid. So, you yeah. know, what's, what's this, you know, it's just another part of her life but I realized that it was her and her family not being able to own up to what they did and so instead of owning up to and taking responsibility they just would rather shut me out so they wouldn't have to deal with it Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. now now after the on the show after talking it over my aunts and them apologizing um we are at a good place now and we talked like every day if not every day it's every other day she was just down here visiting me and so you know you can rebuild and heal with your family um a lot of people write me and say that that's why they don't want to tell because they don't they don't want to destroy their family they don't want to tell their mom that their mom's husband or mom's boyfriend did this or you know they don't want to tell on their grandfather or uncle but you know you still have to tell even you know even if you feel like that like the shame and the guilt and the burden is not ours to carry and people don't understand that survivors don't understand that like they walk around and i say they because i don't feel like this anymore but you know survivors walk around feeling useless and disgusting yeah just dirt dirty and i used to look at people and think like can they see through me can they see that i've been molested and abused like but that's not ours to carry that is for the molester to carry and i always tell people this saying i say the people who hurt you sleep fine at night it's your turn you know Mm. it's your turn to feel good and every day that you're living and holding the secret for your uncle your cousin your grandfather whoever it is you're living every day for somebody else like you're literally getting up every morning for somebody else and you don't know 
when your last days on earth are like you it's time for you to live your life for yourself you know like absolutely it's time so it's time to tell somebody so I remember I remember around that time when and I don't know if maybe this was during the production phase and then when the show was released you came back on social media and I think that was like what around October 2018 when the show was released yeah but then I remember there was a period of time where you kind of like were off the scene for a bit and it was several months had passed and you were you were not on social media at all what was going on during that time uh, yes, well, you know, I filmed the on the show in January of 2018, and mm-hmm. on the show, she told me that maybe I needed to take a little break, like take a step back from my movement to just, you know, regroup. Mm-hmm. Ever since I started, like I just been going full force, full force with it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the process of it, my father passed away. And I never really took the time to grieve him. I mean, I went to his funeral. I did his funeral. But I just, I used his death even as a motivation to go even harder, you know? So yeah. it's like, I was just always, my movement, my movement, saving people, bringing awareness was like my top priority. And then my family and my well-being came second and third mm. and fourth. And I, at that time logically in my mind really thought that bringing awareness and helping other children was more important than anything I had going on in my personal life Mm. that's how dedicated and passionate I was about it just because of the pain that I had went through in my own experience so when Ayala told me I needed to take a step back, you know, I didn't have to stop it, but just slow it down. Right. I thought in my, I thought in my head, like, girl, you crazy. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I might look at you and smile right now and say, okay, yeah, you're right. But I'm not going to stop nothing. Like, you know, right. I'm still going to go home and continue it. So yeah, when I came home in J- at the end of January, I still continued my movement still posting stories every day still speaking at events for at least another month and then I started to slow down because I thought well okay I did ask God to fix my life and here I'm on the show and she did tell me this advice so let me see what it would be like if I did slow down so I slowed down and I actually went to a complete halt like I did not post anything from yeah March to October when the episode posted Mm -hmm. and so many people I loved it so many people wrote me after they noticed I was gone because of my consistency after a couple weeks you know I was getting all these messages and comments like does anyone know where Alicia is like I hope Alicia's okay like you know because I did post every day and I I wanted to come explain to people what I was going through, but at the time I didn't even really know, you know, what I was going through. So I just took some time to just focus on my family and spend more time with them. And I really appreciated doing that only because I realized that saving and bringing awareness is important, but you know, me and my stability and my mental and my house that, that comes first because if I'm yes. not good at home and I'm not good inside myself, then how am I going to give myself to others? And that's Absolutely. actually what Ianla said. She said that I'm making people a thief. I'm making my supporters and my fellow survivors a thief by giving them all of me. And I, you know, I'm broken still and I haven't yeah. given to myself. So 
I took that time to, yes, try to heal, try to bond with my mother, try to speak with her more, try to read, you know, self-help books, self-healing books, and just spend time with my family. And yeah, it was actually a really, really great break. And I came back refreshed and, you know, I came back and I've been doing it ever since then. I don't plan on stopping and taking any more breaks, but you do have to sometimes step back and just take that time for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, I always say that if self is no good, then you're no good to anyone else in your life. And, you know, it's, it's something that we always have to be mindful of because especially when you're naturally a caring person and you're a giver and you want to help people, you always have to kind of make sure that you're taking care of self first and foremost, so that you're given from your overflow and, you know, what's inside of your cup is for you and whatever's overflowing for everyone else. And, you know, I think it's great that you had the courage to step back and do whatever it was that you needed for yourself so that you could come back stronger. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I really appreciate it. You just need it sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I noticed on the cover of your memoir, there is the quote from Miss, the infamous Opal Winfrey. How did it get to the point where Opal Winfrey put a quote, put that quote on your book? I thought that was amazing. I was like, my God, this girl just took off. <laughs> uh, um, actually, and that's what's so funny too, is that happened actually uh, earlier before my book. Um, you know, God some people don't believe in God, but man, like when you look at some of the things that have happened in your life, like there's things that only God could have did. Like, it's not a coincidence that, you know, certain things happen and line up the way they do. But, um, after I first started tell somebody, um, I didn't have a children's book or anything yet. I'd only been doing tell somebody for like a month or two. I wasn't even sharing stories yet. Like Mm -hmm. I really wasn't doing too much. I had just brought awareness to my own situation. Um, I was sleeping and like God woke me up like out of my deep sleep. Like I just like literally woke up and I just heard a voice that said, go write Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at the time and I was like, Oh, it's five o'clock in the morning. I was like, yeah, I don't know where exactly she lives, but you know, she's a millionaire. <laughs> and I, I heard millionaires are up that early in the morning. So she's up, like she's going to see this. So I went to her page. I went to her Instagram page and, you know, Oprah, she's one of those celebrities that has, you know, a, a couple million, you know, millions of followers. She gets thousands of comments on all her pictures every time she posts. So, you yeah. know, what are the chances that if you write a comment under her picture, she She's going to see it or even write back. But, you know, since some since something woke me up and told me to do it, that's what I did. I went to her page. I went to her Instagram. And under her very first picture, I just wrote her and I said, hey, Oprah, like my name's Alicia Barlow. And like you, because Oprah's also a survivor yeah. of her child abuse. Yeah. I was like, like you, I'm a survivor of child abuse. And, you know, I was told to keep it a secret. But I started telling somebody where I'm trying to bring awareness to abuse. And I was like, mark my words. One day, me and you are going to work together. Mm. And and I just, wow. I just sent, I just sent that to her, and then I like literally laid back down to go to sleep. And after like five minutes of tossing and turning, I just picked my phone back up, and it was like Oprah Winfrey wrote you back or commented you back. And I was like, what? And so I went on my Instagram, and yeah, she had wrote me back. 
and she was just like, you know, thank you for what you're doing. Like you're the the perfect role model for turning pain into power. And I was just like, oh wow. I was like, oh yeah, Oprah knows about me now. Like you know, that's I'm awesome. on now. And I was really, really ready. Um, and that's another thing. It's so it gets so deep, just how life, how how it is. Because after she said that, I thought to myself, okay, well, if Oprah knows about me, if Oprah's been abused herself, like she's gonna reach out to me, like she's gonna help me take this to the next level, or yeah. give it some type of awareness or showcase yeah. or something. And you ended and yet, up on a show that was on her network. I did, I did, and that was um three years later wow so, you that know, is just so powerful like the it shows the power of your spoken word which is like a common yeah. theme here where you know you speak your truth and it's just unfolded right 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 so it's like now I'm going around I have two books I travel I go to kids you know schools and events I go to women's conferences and you know I just was in New York and I just won an award uh Tarana Burke she gave me and some other women like an award for the impact activist award and it's like wow. I'm doing all these things and it's like I didn't go to school for this you know I didn't That's go to so college amazing. I didn't go to college for this. And so that's what I tell people too. Like they say that the strongest thing that you could bring to a table is your story, what yeah. you've been through. Cause yeah. only you can talk about that. So yeah, just by me sharing my story one day on social media, you know, two, three, four years later, like here I am. Wow. You know, that's and so I'm not, powerful. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not at the pinnacle yet. Like I want to, you know, do way more and, and come out with more stuff. But I feel good knowing that at least I got the basics, you know, at least I got this children's book where mm -hmm. children are reading it. Like every day people send me pictures of them, like when they get the book of them holding it or their kids holding it or their kids reading it. And like, just to really watch these kids read that book and to know that they love so Alicia, you had mentioned at one point that the Dr. Phil show reached out to you too, right? Did you ever go yeah. on there? Uh, no, I didn't because when I reached out to my family members, that's when I had first told the world about everything that happened. So mm -hmm. they were really not ready to come forward with it. And my mom told me that she knows Dr. Phil would have gave it to her. And the audience <laughs> she said the audience would have been booing her and everything. Oh my so goodness. Do it. So the Ianla show actually was a perfect show because yeah, the Ianla Fix My Life show is more of a healing show yeah, than a, yeah. a bashing. So it was really good because that's probably the only show that she would have agreed to go on. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, that's. But awesome. I've been on um I've been on the news like all different news stations when I go to like different events and um you know I was, I spoke at the Me Too march and I met Toronto wow. Bird. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so just by telling your story, you can just get out there. And that's actually what I was saying when it cut off was that when I wear my Tell Somebody shirts outside, um, it's so powerful. Everywhere I go, no matter if I'm going to the gas station, the mall, the movies, the grocery store, like somebody always stops me, literally, complete strangers, and they'll say, tell somebody what? And it's so funny because a lot of times they'll even laugh. Like they mm. think it's funny. 
They'll be like, tell somebody, they'll be like, tell somebody what? What you want me to tell you? And then we and I, tell them what it is. And then I'll tell them, like, tell tell somebody what happened to you as a child. Like, you know, I was molested and I know there's others out there. And yeah, just from there, their smile just, you know, completely goes away and they don't know what to say. And it's just a real conversation opener because a lot of people say I was molested also. Yesterday yeah. I went to I went to Walmart and one of the older white men that worked there walked past me and was like, can I help you? And I was like, no, I'm fine and everything. Okay, thank you. And yeah, I was wearing a tell somebody sweater and he said, tell somebody what? And I said, tell somebody what happened to you as a child. And some people will lie and say, oh, my childhood was fine. Like it was perfect. No, mm -hmm. nobody, nobody's childhood was perfect. Okay. Yeah. But he told me, he said, I was molested as a child. But he said, not by an adult, by a neighborhood kid. Mm. And so that's another thing that I try to bring awareness to, too, is that it's not just an adult. Yeah, your child can be abused by their little cousin or a neighborhood friend that's around the same age. And those are usually children who are being abused or have right. been abused, right. just acting out what they already know. Right. Yeah. Not really knowing any better. Yes, exactly. So you yeah. just have to look out for the signs um and if you don't know them then the best thing to do is just educate your children and just let them know that you're always there for them no matter what some child molesters actually threaten the kids uh you mm -hmm. can read that in the stories and that's why i really like posting the stories so that parents can know what to say to their kids because they'll learn what other child abusers said to other kids mm -hmm. and a lot of molesters will threaten them and say if you tell i'll kill your mom or kill your dad or kill your dog and so just let your kid know like even if someone's threatening you which is what I cover in my children's book even if someone threatens you like they're just doing that just to scare you I still need you to come tell me mm. I'm just I'm just so proud of you and I I'm gonna profess that we'll be able to meet one day in person <laughs> Oh, definitely. I'd love to. I'd love to. Because I just, I love what you're doing. I love what you're all about. And we need more people like you in the world. And, you know, like, like you said in your mission, your mission is to one day end child abuse. And I just feel like you are making such tremendous efforts toward that. And I applaud you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're doing. And Thank you once again for coming here and sharing your truth, sharing your story, and sharing your powerful movement with everyone. You're welcome. You're welcome. And yeah, that's something that I will say is that before my dad passed away, um, I have a video of him saying it. So I love the technology that we have because I can still go back and watch it over and over. But what he said was, he said, I'm really proud of you for what you're doing. And he was like, just keep it up. Don't ever stop because yeah. somebody... He says somebody has to do it. Yeah. And like, again, when he said that, that was something else that just like hit me. Like, yeah, like somebody has to do it. Like yeah. somebody has to bring awareness. And so why not that be you, you know? Yes, absolutely. So Alicia, where can people find you if they either want to share their story, their um, tell somebody story, or if they want to just know how to follow up with you and know where you're at, where can they find you? Um, I have a Facebook page and an Instagram page, mm -hmm. but the easiest way is just to go on my website, which is tellsomebodytoday.com. 
because there I have my Facebook and my Instagram where you can just click it and it'll just take you straight there and you can see everything that I'm doing. So yeah, just tell somebody today.com. And um, after that, you can go on my Facebook and you can read other survivor stories. I've been posting survivor stories for the last four years. So I just have hundreds and hundreds of stories. So you can read them and, you know, just relate with them and feel comfortable to share your truth. Awesome. Well, I, I agree with, with Miss Oprah Winfrey Cinemas that, that you are definitely the perfect role model for turning pain into power. And uh, again, I thank you for being here and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for having me. You're welcome. So everyone here listening, if you have a tell somebody story that you would like to include on Alicia's platform, Go ahead and go to tellsomebodytoday.com to connect with her. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, like, share, and leave your review for the podcast. To learn more, go to www.cassandraaustin.com.